You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Yeah, so welcome to church this morning, guys. Um, Like Steve said, my name's Josh. Uh, I'm a youth worker here one day a week, and then the other four days a week, I'm swinging a hammer for my other boss. So I'm a second year apprentice. and, and if you're new this morning, there might not be any new people, um, but if there is a special welcome to you this morning, we're stoked you're here. I'd love to have a chat to you and have a coffee with you after. But we welcome you to Burley Church of Christ. Um, if you're not new to Burley Church of Christ this morning and you're a local, uh, you've been here the last couple of weeks, you'd, you'd know that we've been going through a series based out of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And, and the series that we've been going through is called Jesus is better than. And, and the reason I believe this series is called Jesus is better than is because the book of Hebrews is, is all about comparing Jesus to different things and different people that were held in, in very high esteem with the culture and the time that the book of Hebrews was written. Um, things like angels, Moses and, and great high priests. So people that were, that were really up there back then, they might not mean much to people today, but they were up there back then. And it talks about how Jesus is better than all of those things. Thus the name Jesus is better than. And, and in theme with our series this morning, I've titled my sermon, Running the Race of Faith, Jesus is Better Than Our Pain. And, and like Jules said, I'm going to be talking a little bit about discipline. I'm going to be talking about a little bit of suffering. I don't know why you're all not cheering right now. A sermon about <laughs> suffering sounds fun. Nah, but, but it'll be good. And, um, and that might sound a bit strange at first, but what I mean simply by running the race of faith is running the race of life. Um, as a Christian or as a person, wherever you're at, running this race of faith and, and what that looks like for us today. And, and more specifically, it's about how do we run when we're tired? How do we run when we encounter hardship? How do we run during seasons of of pain or suffering or when, when we go through hard things in our life? How do, we, how do we run when we take a few hits or when we've been dealt a bad hand? And, and like we heard before, we're going through a small section of scripture out of the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, verses 1 to 12. So if you need to look back to that at all, you can open your Bibles up um, or get it up on your phone. And And I'm excited because it's an amazing piece of scripture, what we just read. There's a lot of meat in those 12 verses, like every single verse is a banger. So we're going to be going through it and we're going to be plowing through it. Uh, But I'm excited because I believe God wants to say something to each and every person here this morning. Um, He he always wants to speak to us and run with us and and walk with us. Um, So I'm excited for that and and I hope you guys are too. Hey, before we dive in, uh, we're just going to go through a quick bit of context around, around the book of Hebrews. And, and whether you're new to church or not, context is always pretty important. Sometimes you can crack the Bible open and, it, and you might read something about lambs getting slaughtered and you're like, what the heck's going on here? And, and without context, it can be a lot harder to understand. And a little bit of context around the book of Hebrews is that we don't officially know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, A lot of biblical scholars have suggested that it was Paul, um, which is probably a fair guess as he's responsible for a fair few of the New Testament letters and and writings and whatnot. Um, So it could be Paul, but we're just going to refer to that person as the author, whoever wrote this book. 
But what we do know about the book of Hebrews is that it was written to a group of people in the ancient church in Jerusalem, of, of Jewish Christian believers. And we know that in this time they were being pretty heavily persecuted. That's why you read through the book of Hebrews and it really just points to Jesus. Because it's, it's all about encouraging these people. They were facing pretty intense persecution. So it's all about encouraging these people to look to Jesus in times of hardship. And, and the first thing we're going to be going through this morning, our first point is the same as our title, which is no longer there. Thanks to the projector, that's all right. It's running the race of faith. So, so if you're writing notes this morning, uh, you can write that down. That's our first point, running the race of faith. And, and we'll start at verse 1. And, and verse 1 in Hebrew says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And, that, and that's a pretty cool first, first verse to start a chapter off. There's a pretty cool picture that the author is illustrating here. And, and the first time I read this, I wasn't too sure what, what it was talking about when it says this great cloud of witnesses. But after reading through a commentary and doing a bit of research... I found out that this, this great cloud of witnesses refers to um, believers, both past and present, um, that have passed on to be with the Lord and are now watching down on us. And, and these heroes of the faith, people like Paul that were, that were in the Bible and, and loved ones that we know that, that have followed Jesus in their lives and, and they've now gone to be with the Lord, uh, it, it presents this image of them almost being seated in the heavens like seated in an auditorium or a stadium. And, and they're watching down on us. And the author's alluding to the fact here that, that we're part of a family of believers that transcend through time. It's the image of people looking down from a stadium, like at the Olympics. And these, these believers that have gone before us are now seated in this stadium looking down at us, and although we can't hear them or see them, they're there encouraging us, spurring us on to keep running the race, spurring us on towards the finish line. And what a beautiful metaphor that is. What a beautiful image the author presents here in the first verse of chapter 12. Now, you might have heard people say before, life's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Has anyone ever heard that saying before? Life's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Okay, few people. You might have seen it on Instagram, a motivational quote. Nike, you can do it. Life's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And, and that's sort of the same same image that the author's trying to use here. He's saying that life as a Christian isn't, isn't a sprint, it's more like a marathon. And life for the most part, for most of us that are here now, isn't a short race, but it's more like a long race, like a marathon that has many challenges and many hurdles that have to be overcome along the way. And I'm sure for a few of you that, are, that have been running this race on earth for longer than I have, you could probably agree with that statement. Life's not a 100-metre sprint. It's more like a marathon. And sometimes it can feel tedious and it can feel long and it can be hard. Um, I, I've only been on this earth for probably just under 20 years. In the first 18 years of my life, mum cleaned my room. She made my lunch for me. Life was pretty easy until I hit 18 and then I realised, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> got to pay my own registration. Got to make my own smoko. Have to clean my room. Haven't done that one, but that's all right. Mum still comes back once a month to give it a one-two. That's all right. 
Um, but yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the image that the author is, is presenting here. Life's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And as Christians, life's not a sprint, it's a marathon. When I was younger, probably when I was in year seven or eight in school, I used to run cross country and I was never any good at it. Um, I've tried doing a few things that I haven't been that good at. Cross country was one of them. I trained for probably a year or two and then one year, I got to the level above the school level, the APS. So I thought I was a big shot. And then the day of the race, I was sick and came 47th. And then that was the end, that was the end of my running career. I gave up after that. Um, legitimately after that day I was like no I'm done but um but I remember in every single one of my races I I would start out strong and I'd go hard and then sort of halfway through I'd be I'd be stinging pretty hard and then it would get to if it was a four kilometer race I'd get to 3.8 k's and man I'd be in a world of pain I'd probably do a little power spew and keep running um and I'd always be in so much pain but I remember in the last kilometer or the last couple of hundred meters of this race I'd hear someone out of the corner of my ear yelling and, and, and I'd keep running and then eventually I'd see my mum. And I remember every single race I did, my mum was always there in the last couple of hundred metres just to get me across the line and say, come on, you can do it. And, and every single race, although I was never that good, she was always there to spur me on towards the finish line. And, and in the context of Hebrews chapter 12, that's the same image that the author's presenting here. He's saying that this, this great cloud of witnesses that we're surrounded by in this context is like my mum. And, and thanks for cheering me on, mum, even though I quit cross-country. Um, that's what he's talking about when he says this great cloud of witnesses. It's, it's believers that have passed on and they're now seated in the heavens and, and they're there to encourage us and they're watching down and they're watching what we do and they're cheering us on towards the finish line even though we can't always see them or hear them. And the author not only explains that in this race of faith that there's believers looking down from the heavens watching us and encouraging us, but he gives us some practical tips on how we can run this race with perseverance and persistence. And, and we're going to watch a little video quickly that I think perfectly epitomizes what life can feel like sometimes and ties in pretty well with us saying, life's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So if you turn your attention to the screen, hopefully that video will work. Awesome piano music. It's coming. It's coming? Should I tell a joke or? Don't risk it. No, don't risk it. Steve says don't risk it. Now when we get this video up, it's, it's basically about a guy running a marathon. And, and when we get the video up, you'll see our little cartoon man and, and he's going to run a marathon and we get to watch the different stages that he goes through. And you'll see that just like in my cross-country race... Oh, there it is. Yep. Yep. Let's watch that video. Wow, what a beautiful day. Listen, everyone cheering. This is going to be great. Months of training is paying off now. I'm hydrated, glucosed up, and my mental game is on point. Let's do this! Okay, so I'm a little behind on my normal pace, no big deal, just keep going. And I think I missed a spot on my thigh with my body glide. Sure, that won't be a problem. And I don't need to stop for water just yet. 
Oh, look, here come some hills. That'll be fun. Wait, I, I'm not even halfway through yet. Feels like I've been running forever. What's with all these hills? The whole course hills? I think this is gonna be tougher than I thought. Where is everybody? Am I still on course? I haven't seen a water stopper in forever. Why didn't I get water earlier? Well, it's just me, myself, and the road, I guess. Nothing left to do besides confront all of my inner demons. I am going to die. Why did I ever decide to do this? My thighs are raw like two hams, and I think my toenails just fell off. What else could possibly go wrong? Oh, great, the runner's trots. Well, at least I haven't hit the wall yet. I hit the wall. <laughs> I have never been so tired in all of my life. Even my teeth are tired. I, I think I should just quit. Just stop passing me, you jerks! No, I need to power through. I didn't train for months to give up this late. Time to dig deep. Think of that Olympic runner who finished with a broken leg. That was really gross. But the point is, if he can do it, so can I. Now, come on. The finish line is right up there. One foot in front of the other. Yes! I did it! Oh, this is the greatest feeling in the world! Awesome. Awesome. So that video is a bit of a laugh. It's a bit silly. Um, but I chucked it in there because, one, I thought it was pretty funny. I just looked up marathon running on YouTube. I'm like, yeah, I'll chuck that in. And then number two, I thought it tied in pretty well with what we're talking about this morning, which is life's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And also what the author is trying to say here in the first couple of verses of Hebrews chapter 12. Because in the next part of this passage, he goes on to say, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And what does that mean for us today? What does that mean practically for Christians or for anyone some 2,000 years later after this text was written? See, the author talks about how when we're running this race of faith, we, we cannot really afford to carry baggage around. He's saying, strip off all of this stuff that weighs you down and holds you back. And, and to try and illustrate better what the author is, is getting at here, I'm going to get my mate Tricky to come on up. We're going to use him as a bit of an analogy. Come on down here, Tricky. So this is my mate Mitch. And now Mitch, Mitch is a bit of a local here at Burley Church of Christ. He's been coming here for around six months. And Tricky, Tricky's been training for the Gold Coast Marathon 2020. And, and let's imagine that today is the day of the race. And, and he rocks up to the starting line. Now, can anyone tell me why Tricky would possibly not be fit to run a marathon right now? Too much baggage, that's right. Imagine Tricky rocks up to the starting line, he's got a waterproof backpack, a hiking backpack, a Makita combo kit, you don't need that on a marathon. And, and he's rocked up to the starting line with, with this baggage. And, and just how you all had a laugh, and, and we can see how, how silly and how that would be a terrible idea because this stuff's just going to slow you down. You don't need a Makita combo kit when you're running a marathon. And all this stuff is going to do is slow him down. But so often in life, we do the same thing. 
And, and if we imagine that the starting line of our race of faith is when we meet Jesus and we rock up to the starting line, so many people rock up to the starting line with baggage in their life. Whether it be past relationships that, that haven't worked out or things that they've been through that have left them with scars or a broken family or, or anything like that, they rock up to the starting line of their race of faith with baggage. Or, or maybe they started the race with nothing and, and they started this race with Jesus and then they get halfway through and they realise that somewhere along the way they've picked up baggage whether it be from something that's happened to them, something that's afflicted their family, some pain in your life that's just hanging over your shoulders. And the author is saying that in order to run this race of faith, in order to run this race that is life, we need to strip off everything that's just going to weigh us down. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. He's saying this stuff that you've rocked up to the starting line with, the baggage that you carry around from your past, just get rid of it. Get rid of it. You don't need it. You're going to be running this race of faith and you're going to be running for a while. You cannot afford to carry baggage around. So what we're going to do is we're going to have Tricky take the bags off one, one at a time and he's going to give them to me. Thanks, Tricky, for the Makitas. And, and all that represents now is simply the exchange that happens when we offer up our baggage to Jesus because that's the offer that Jesus gives us he says he says come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest and and when Tricky's at this starting line or when he's running the race watch how when he gives the baggage to Jesus he doesn't have to carry it anymore and and he can and he can run this race without carrying that weight on his shoulders without slowing him down and he's going to be able to run the race much more persistently and and that's what the author is saying here. When you're running the race of faith, you cannot afford to carry baggage around. Thanks, Tricky. You can go sit down now. Yeah, give him a clap. Give him a clap. And, and the author is not only saying that in this race of faith that is life, we cannot afford to carry baggage, but he's also saying we cannot afford to run off of the course. He says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And, and those three words are key here, marked out for us. Let us run the race that is marked out for us. And, and what I believe that he's saying, church, this morning is that when we're running this race of faith, not only is it a silly idea to try and carry baggage around on your race, but it's a silly idea to run off of the course that has already been designed for you. And, and I believe that each and every person here this morning was designed and made individually by God. And, and we all have individual gifts and, and purposes and callings on our lives. And, and they're all different. Could you imagine running a marathon and then getting to the 10-kilometer mark and then, and then just going, nah, I don't like this course. There's a fork coming up. I think I'm just going to fang it left and see how we go. And see if I make it to the finish line. I reckon you'd probably get a few kilometres in and then that'd be cool, but after a while you'd probably get lost. You'd probably go places that you were never intended to go. You'd probably encounter even more hills than our little cartoon man did. And, and, and you'd make the race harder for yourself because you're going places you were never intended to go. And, and that's sort of the same thing that happens when we discard God's calling on our lives. 
And, and when we say to God, God, I know you have a, a path set out for me, but there's a fork coming up. And, and although your path seems cool, I think I'm going to go my own way. And, and that's the image that the author is presenting here. And, and I want to leave you guys with a few questions from this first point. And, and my first question would be, are you carrying baggage around? When you, when you rocked up to the starting line of your faith, when you became a Christian, did you have a hiking backpack and, and a suitcase and whatnot and you've carried it on your race? Are you carrying baggage around or have you picked baggage somewhere up along the way? And have you offered that up to Jesus yet? And, and the second question I would have is, is, are you running on course? Are you running on the course that God has set out for your life? Are you following his calling? Are you doing what he wants? Or are you saying, oh, I think I'm just going to try and go my own way and just see how it goes? Running the race of faith. So the second thing we're going to be going through this morning, the second thing that I've titled is, is this next point is look to Jesus. And, and it's clear to see that throughout this chapter, the author is relating life to a race. And for the sake of this sermon, let's say that we're talking about a marathon here. So life's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And, and whoever wrote this book is not only warning these, these people that life as a Christian isn't just a walk in a park, but it's more like a marathon with, with many challenges and hurdles, but he also gives the Hebrew church something to set their sights on in verse 2 and 3. He says in verse 2, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And we can see here that as a body of Christ in the 21st century, the author of this book of Hebrews here is offering some really clear examples of how we can run this race of faith. And what he's telling us to do here is to look to Jesus. He's saying, you know what? Right now in life, you might be walking through a fair bit of suffering. You might have had some bad stuff happen to you along the way. You might be carrying baggage. You might be walking through a season of pain and suffering. But look to Jesus. The author in this text is, is saying that no matter what we're walking through, no matter how bad things get, no matter what season of life we're in, no matter how broken your family is, no matter how many of your loved ones pass away, we can always look to Jesus and look to what he did for us. Because unlike every other God and every other religion, our God actually ran this race before us. Jesus lived on this earth. He lived as a human and he, and he ran this race before us. I don't know if you guys have been on social media yet. If, if some of you might have, you might have seen that Kanye West recently became a, a follower of Jesus. And if you don't know who Kanye West is, that's all right. He's probably one of the greatest pop artists of, of our day. And, and he recently became a follower of Jesus and he released an album called Jesus is King. And, and in one of his songs, Use This Gospel, he says, Use this gospel for protection. It's a hard road to heaven. We call on your blessing in the Father we put our faith. And as I was on my computer typing up this sermon, I had this song playing and that line just stuck out to me. Use this gospel for protection. It's a hard road to heaven. And we can see that 
even a guy that's lived a, a life for so long without Jesus and now is following Jesus can see that it's actually a hard road to heaven. It's not easy. It's not a walk in the park. And, and that's what the author is saying here. But the author here in, in Hebrews chapter 12 isn't, isn't just saying life sucks sometimes, but you might just have to see how you go. He, he gives us a really clear example of who to look to in times of suffering. And that's someone who felt suffering himself, felt pain himself, and that man is Jesus. In times of suffering, we can look to Jesus for strength. Because he came down to earth, he felt pain, he felt love, he felt all the same emotions that we do. He walked as a human for 33 years on this earth, he already ran the race, and then he lived and died on a cross as a sacrifice for us. So that one day, we get to reunite with him in harmony for eternity. And that's what we believe. At the end of the day, really, that's why we keep running this race, isn't it? To get to the finish line and actually get to spend eternity with the Lord. And, and if we want to run this race with perseverance and persistence, we need to ask ourselves, why are we running this race? And, and what actually waits for us at the finish line? And, and, and regardless of who you are or, or what you believe here this morning, what waits for each and every single one of us at the finishing line is eternity, either, either with God or without him. And, and for those of you here this morning that, that follow Jesus and you've been following him for a certain part of your life, that should be enough to give us encouragement this morning that one day we'll actually get to be with the Lord forever. It says in Revelations 21 verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And the reality is, is that what we believe as followers of Jesus is that no matter what season of life you're in, and no matter how hard things are going for you, and no matter how much suffering you've had to walk through in your life, there will be a day where we stand with the Lord and, and there'll be no more pain and no more suffering and no more tears. So how can we feel encouraged to keep running this race even in our pain? We look to the cross. We look to Jesus. We look at the pain that he endured in his life for us and, and the sacrifice that he made. And then, and then we keep running and we always remember what waits for us at the finish line. Set our sights on, on the finish line. Now the third and, and final thing that we're sort of going to be walking through this morning and, and taking out of this scripture I've titled God's discipline is evidence of his love for us. And, and, and that's a really strong point. Um, and, and, it's, and it's about understanding that when we go through hard times in life, when we walk through seasons of suffering and, and when we're unsure of, of God's will on our lives and, and why he would allow certain things to happen to us that we didn't necessarily deserve, um, is, is to understand that God's discipline in, in our lives is evidence of his love for us. So if you're writing down notes, you can write that down as our third point. God's discipline is evidence of his love for us. And, and the author says this pretty clearly in verse 4. He says, it's titled, God disciplines his children. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? 
It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. And, and when I first read this, I was caught off guard a little bit because I had never encountered a piece of scripture that, that talks about God disciplining his children. So I, I read that for the first time, thought, geez, Hebrews, is this right? Or am I reading the wrong, the wrong description or something here? And, and the reason for that, I believe that it's so crazy in our culture is, is because a lot of churches will tell you the exact opposite about God. A lot of churches will, will tell you that when you get to the starting line and you start walking with Jesus that all the money will be there, you'll get the, you'll get the best job you wanted, like your family will be fixed just like that and everything will be smooth sailing. Um, but for those of you here that are followers of Jesus, you'll know that that's absolutely not the case. And, um, and although a relationship with our Creator is, is what we were purposed for and, and the most fulfilling thing that you can do in life there is still hard times. As, a, as Christians, we still face hard things. Things still happen to us that we don't deserve. And in our culture today, the word discipline has a very negative connotation. Um, that's why when you read this the first time, you think, oh, I wonder what that's talking about. God disciplines his children. And, and sort of it is due to translation because when a lot of the... the the original Bible was written, it was written in either Greek, Hebrew or Aramaic, but, so there's, there's a number of different words for different things, but when they get translated into English, sometimes they just mush four words into one and say, she'll be right. And then you read it and you think, what the heck's going on here? But the root and the meaning of, of discipline comes from the word disipulus, which is the Latin word for pupil, which also provided the source of the word disciple. So, so when we talk about being a disciple of Christ, you might have heard that before. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you're a disciple of Christ. But we must also accept that part of being a disciple of Christ is being disciplined by Christ. Um, but, but the picture that the author is presenting here when he says discipline is not the type of discipline when you hide your dad's keys before he goes to work, so then he belts you and you start crying and then he realises it was your sister. It's, it's not that type of discipline. He's talking about something very different here. He's talking about almost an image of going to the gym. And, and we all know that when you go to the gym, you have to lift weights and you have to tear the muscles that are already there in order to build muscles and in order to shape your body into what you want it to look like. Mark Wahlberg said it best, no pain, no gain. Um, it's the same surfing. Some of the most memorable surfs I've ever had with Mitch is when we go out and it's really big and you got paddling out round Burley and you got a really solid chance that you're going to get absolutely cooked. Um, but those are the most memorable surfs when you go out when it's really big and you've got a solid chance that you're going to get creamed. And, and that's the sort of discipline that it's talking about here in this passage. It's talking about God moulding us through these hard situations and shaping us to look more like his son Jesus. And, and the discipline that it's talking about here, that where, where God uses us to mould us to look more like his son, is only evidence of his love for us. See, just as my parents disciplined me as a kid, at the time, six-year-old Josh probably wasn't going, Dad, I'm so glad you're disciplining me right now. Please, may I have another smack? <laughs> he was probably crying. His butt was a little bit raw. But for the thousands of smacks that I would have received from my parents, I look back on them in retrospect and I'm really glad because, because we all know that, that a, a parent's discipline is only evidence that they love their child. And, 
and I look back on the discipline that I had in my life and I'm glad of it because it shaped me into the person I am today and, and what I know to be right and wrong and, and good work ethic and, and all stuff like that is stuff that we learn as a child. And that's the same image that the author is using here when he talks about God discipline his children. He's not, it's not God sitting up there going, oh, I'm going to throw this one's a serious curveball. We'll see how he takes this one. It's more talking about God using these situations to grow us and to mould us and to shape us to look more like his son, Jesus. And, and this discipline in our lives is only evidence of his love for us. So I'm going to finish off quickly and I'll ask the piano player, um, I think it was one of the Edwards girls, to come up and just play some keys. Um, but I'm going to finish up and, and leave you guys with a few a few things to think about and, and chew on and take home with you. And, and if you remember back, our first point was running the race of faith. And the main things that we talked about were, were how when we're running the race of faith, we cannot afford to carry baggage around. And, and whether you've rocked up to the starting line of the Gold Coast Marathon 2020 with a, a hiking backpack and your Makita set, and he's saying we can't afford to carry baggage around. And then the second question I have around that first point, running the race of faith, is are you running on course? Are you listening to God's individual calling in your life? Are you following him wherever he calls you? Or are you trying to, trying to make your own course? Our second point was look to the cross. And that was about how in times of suffering and in times of hardship, we can look to Jesus. Look to Jesus for strength because he, he died on a cross. He was crucified and that's seriously painful. And, and he did that so that we could have eternal life with him. And, and the question I, I would have around that is, in your suffering and pain, are you looking to Jesus? Are you looking to Jesus? And are you looking to what awaits for us at the finish line? And, and our third point was God's discipline in our lives is evidence of his love for us. And, and we talked about how God's, God's discipline isn't like getting a smack from your parents. It's not, it's not like we're being punished, but it's God using these really hard and really dark situations in life to mould us to look more like his son, Jesus. And, and a question I would have around, around that is, can you recognise God's discipline in your life? And if so, how can you grow to look more like Jesus in that circumstance? And, and as I finish up, we're going to remember back to that little cartoon video of our little cartoon man. Because as, as funny as it was and as comedic as it was, I think it, there's real value in that. Um, we saw the cartoon man start running and, and he went through, I think, three stages where he was excited and, and he was this is awesome, got my body glide, had a big carb meal before I started, and, and he's going along, and then we see after a while he starts to hit some really hard stages in his race. And, and I think the first one was maybe isolation, and maybe you're here this morning, and in your race as a Christian or as a person, maybe you feel isolated. Maybe you feel like you've got no one to help take the load, or you've got no one you can talk to, or you've got no one that would understand how you're feeling. Or, or maybe like we saw with the little cartoon man, he went through a stage of, of desperation where he was just in so much pain, but he just had to keep going. 
And maybe you're here this morning, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, and, and you've walked through some, some pain in your life that you still carry scars from. And, and like we saw with our little cartoon man, eventually he was running and, and then he hit the wall. And he just hit a point where he was just bang and just stopped. He, he had been through too much pain to be able to keep going. And, and maybe you're here this morning and you're at that point in your life where you feel like you've hit a wall. And you've, and you've just been walking and you're trying to plow through all the hard stuff, all the hard family situations, all the loved ones that have passed away, all the things that have hurt you in your life. And, and you feel like you're at the point now where you just can't keep going. And, and if anyone here this morning is, is at one of those stages in their life, whether you're isolated or you're feeling desperation or you're feeling pain and, and you feel like you've hit the wall, I'm going to pray and then, and then as we go into our last worship song, um, I'm going to be standing down the front. I'm going to get Steve and a few of the elders to stand down the front. And if that's you this morning, just we'd love for you to come and get some prayer. Um, we're a family here at Burley Church of Christ. There's, there's no shame in coming down the front and saying, yeah, I need prayer for that. I think if we're all being honest with ourselves, we all probably need prayer around this sort of stuff because we all go through suffering and we all go through hard times. Um, so I'm going to be down the front too. And, and if that's you, I'd encourage you to, to come down the front. Don't be afraid of, of what might happen or what people will think. But we want to pray for you and, and we want to see you offer that baggage up to Jesus and, and run that race with him. So I'm just going to pray and I'll, and I'll ask the band to come up. And... Um, yeah, if that's you this morning, just come down the front and, and the elders and I would love to pray for you. Dear Lord, uh, we thank you for this morning, Lord. Uh, we thank you that we don't have to run this race alone, Lord, and, and that you already ran this race before us and you run this race with us, Lord. I thank you that you are the ultimate example of who we can look to in times of of pain and of suffering, someone who felt pain and, and suffering himself, Lord. I thank you for the, the offer that you so graciously give us, Lord, to take our baggage and, and to carry that burden on your shoulders, Lord, even though we don't deserve it. Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning that has walked through pain, walked through suffering or there's hurt or scars in their life, Lord, and we pray that your spirit would spur them on to come down the front and uh, receive prayer. Lord, we pray for each person here this morning that you'd be doing something new in their hearts this morning and, and you would go home with them and, and your spirit would um, remind them of this word and, and what it means for them. We thank you for this morning, Lord, and we pray that you bless the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen.